0: Turn on easy mode at AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.
1: It's time for a big blue kickoff live.
2: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On
1: Giants.com. You know
2: what I saw?
1: New York Giant Prime. and the Giants Mobile app.
2: 17!
1: 14 the final. One touchdown, we are world champion. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast
3: Network. go like of dogs. fun. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. He's Lance Meadow. I am John Schmelk, 201-939-4513. We'll open up the phones in about 10 or 15 minutes, and we'll take your calls previewing Giants and Bears from MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon. As a reminder, folks, this is a special Giants legacy game. Well, what does that mean? Well, one, and Lance is all psyched about this. He loves his uniforms. Absolutely. They'll be wearing their throwbacks in the 80s and 90s. Um, the throwback uniforms on uh, Sunday at MetLife Stadium. The stadium will be branded in throwback designs. The end zones will be red like they had in Super Bowl 21, Collectible pennant given away at the door uh, for the first 30,000 fans. Entertainment activities, activations from that era, an NFT and more. Pearson and Howard Cross are excited about that. Limited tickets are available. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. You missed us trying to explain NFTs to Howard on the show on, well, I guess that was Tuesday, right, Pearson? That was a entertaining two and a half minutes of radio. <laughs> Fascinating stuff here. Yes, yes, correct. Uh, but make sure you go check that out. But Lance, let's talk about the football aspect of this. Obviously, um, Giants and Bears and you know these are two classic NFL franchises. You think Mike Singletary, you think Lawrence Taylor, you think Walter Payton, you think Giants running the football. And you know what? We talk about you know football being different and you know passing attack and modern. This game ain't gonna be that. <laughs> I mean, you you might as well put this game in the time machine and put it back to you know 1985, 1986. Of course, without maybe the the dominant defenses of the era and you know the early 90s where. Both teams are going to run the ball. It's probably going to be a fast-moving game because both teams are going to run the ball. It's going to be low scoring. It's probably going to be a one-score affair for most of the game just by the nature of these two teams and how they play. And we'll see who makes that one big play or one big mistake that's going to determine who the winner or loser is.
4: Yeah, I think this is more Dick Butkus style of football. I would have gone a little bit Uh, further back than you did in terms of the history. Frank Gifford action,
3: you think? The archives, correct.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 12-9 final. It could be oh. just a field goal battle, and it comes down to field position. Maybe you have
3: a safety in the mix. It could be like 9-8 like or something like that. Sure, that could be fun. absolutely.
4: Could very well happen that way. The other thing is, I don't know if you checked out the forecast, and I can't believe I'm going this way. It's more of Paul Dettino's Where's wheelhouse. Paul? Yeah, no, but nah, this it looks, weekend it overall, bad. it's supposed to be very wet, both tomorrow and Sunday. So you take that into consideration, John. That's good, actually, for both teams if they want to run the football because they're not going to worry too much about trying to air it out. But it could be one of those gritty, grinded-out affairs. I don't think that either of these teams are in position right now to put on offensive clinics. It's just not their style. They're more than content with leaning on Saquon Barkley for the Giants, Khalil Herbert filling in for David Montgomery, who's coming off a very impressive performance against the Texans. And... The old story in the NFL is, I say this all the time in comparison to college football. If this was college football, John, we'd be having a different conversation. Style points matter in college football. It's also about who you play and how you go about beating them. In NFL football, it makes no difference whether you win by a point, you win by three. So these teams, they don't care. They're not worried about whether it's ugly or it's pretty. All they're worried about is getting the job done. And Chicago, to me, is a bit of a mirror image right now to New York. Right, Both of these teams, top five rushing attacks, bottom five passing attacks. You have two mobile quarterbacks who contribute to their respective running games. And unless they get an explosive play here or there, it's been tough sledding to punch it into the end zone. So I would agree with you. Is it a Herbert big run? Is it a Barkley big play? Does either of these teams all of a sudden open the door for one big passing play or maybe a short pass that leads to yardage after or the catch or maybe a special teams play Lance you know exactly 100% all of those little things are going to add up for an accumulative effect, and that's probably going to determine the one team that maybe gets the drive either late in the game or maybe early in the game and is just able to ride that off into the sunset because of their ability to pound the football.
3: The Bears have scored a whopping six touchdowns this year. The Giants have scored a whopping three, correct, if I'm not mistaken? Total touchdowns. The Giants have four touchdowns this year, if I'm not mistaken, correct? They have five. They they had three in the Tennessee game and then one in each of the last two games. I forgot, three in the Tennessee game. That's correct. Yeah, So, Look, that, that, that's not a lot of touchdowns, no. and I'll, I'll dip into the, some of the details here, especially when it comes to the Bears, but here's an interesting thing I thought of this morning. For the fans that might not know, in week one, the Bears played the 49ers in Chicago, right? It was as bad of a weather situation in terms of rain as you can have. It was a deluge. It looked like they were playing on a tarp at a baseball game that got rained out. There were puddles everywhere. Guys Monsoon. were flipping and sliding like you couldn't do anything through the air. And by the way, that does contribute to some of the lack of throwing that the Bears have done this year because you're just not going to throw it in those conditions, right? Sure. Do you think that gives the Bears a little bit of a advantage because they've experienced playing in those bad conditions this year? Uh, that were really that poor, so they'll be more ready to go if the conditions are poor on Sunday, or do you think I'm reaching a little bit there?
4: No, I think that's a valid point. I would give the Bears a slight advantage, especially since they also found a way to win that game against San Francisco, and you understand that things can get sloppy Ball security is key. I don't think it hurts them. But then again, remember, whenever it's wet, there's only so much, John, that you could prepare for those situations, right? You don't know whether or not your footing is going to be firm, whether or not a guy who's very good dealing with wet conditions slips at the worst possible moment. The Giants don't have as much experience in that department because they haven't been exposed to bad weather thus far. So once again, I give the Bears a slight advantage, but. It's a bit of an unpredictable nature in how things could play out for both teams. I don't know if, you know, Chicago feels that much better simply because they've been exposed to one rain game. The bottom line is Fields has not been great with ball security in terms of his two touchdowns and four interceptions. So that's a concern, whether the weather's good or bad. And Daniel Jones and the Giants have had some of their issues, whether it be this season or in the past. So both teams, I think, are coming into a situation where – They better take care of the football because this is one of those games, John, similar to the Carolina game where the Panthers had two early fumbles. They gave the Giants great field position. The Giants tacked on a pair of field goals. A fumble here, a fumble there. You give one of these opposing teams half the field to work with and all they have to do is gain 10, 15 yards for a field goal. That, once again, is making their job a lot easier, especially if the weather is bad. So I understand ball security. Listen, in any game, it's priority number one. I'm stating the obvious, but in a game where it could be wet, could be rainy, and both offenses struggle, you'd probably put it up a notch in terms of the importance and the value of
3: it. No, 100%. You're 100% right. When you're going to play these games at a very small margins, those little things make a big deal. You know, if the Chiefs have one turnover in their own territory, well, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes will throw an 80-yard touchdown pass and that disappears. You know, that, but sure. that hasn't been in the cards necessarily for how either of these two teams have played this year. You mentioned the Bears' running game. They've been fantastic. Clear Herbert steps in for David Montgomery, who's having a really good year, by the way. Uh, comes in last week, rushes for 150 yards, a couple touchdowns, had a 52-yard touchdown run in the game, and he was wonderful. They've run blocked pretty well. Uh, They want to run the football. They have the highest, uh, I believe it's 65.4% of their plays have been run plays, which is the highest rate in the league. Uh, So coming off a game where the Giants gave 178 rushing yards to the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to have to do a better job there. I would say still no Leonard Williams this week. The official injury report is not out. I'd be shocked if he played. And that's kind of where we are right now where the Giants, and, and I'll get to Justin Fields in a second, But Lance, if they can stop the run this week and it's easier said than done, you know they'll have a really good chance to win the game. I hate to boil it down to something so simple, but that's kind of where we're at. This is a game you want
4: Justin Fields to face third and longs. You want him to have to throw the football. They really have not had an opportunity to branch out at all. The one guy that I'm very surprised with, and maybe this is the game similar to, John, what Dallas did with Tony Pollard where I would argue that was his breakout game Monday night. Not to say that he was playing bad, but they actually made it a point to give him the ball and try to feature him. Darnell Mooney, to me, is the similar player to watch for the Bears because he's not the type of player that needs 40 to 50 yard bombs down the field. You get him out in open space, Mooney can wreak damage. He can cause some headaches. The problem is the Bears just have not given him a lot of volume of work. Is this a game where, especially based on— it wasn't to me, John, just the inability for the Giants to stop the run. It was also—remember that 3rd and 12 play where Zeke okay, picked up the first down? Wink even talked about that yesterday when he spoke to the media, how it's about recognition. If the running back is going to go into the slot, you have to be aware, based on the alignment, that he could be very well involved in the play. It could be a screen, and he was disappointed in his defense do the Bears look at that and say, okay, in addition to trying to pound the football, maybe we dump it off to Mooney, get him out in open space, see if the Giants have firmed up their tackling. I would watch out for that. That, to me, is another staple that maybe Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, could tap into based on the struggles the Giants had against the Cowboys.
3: Yeah, and you know, actually, Cooper Rush, I think, talked about that play this week, too. That was a uh, call they had midweek if the Giants were in that type of formation yep. where they can kind of get their two Uh, edge players on offense. I believe that was their slot receiver and their offensive tackle or tight end was it, I don't remember. But they were basically on the outside shoulders of the Giants to inside pass rushers, and they basically just blocked them down and it was wide open outside. You know, you mentioned it. Lance, not one Bears wide receiver has more than four catches this year. Darnell Mulvey, hard Mooney. Hard to believe, has, by the it's way. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and David Montgomery is five, and Khalil Herbert is four. And Equ- Equinamia, St. Brown, and Mooney both have four apiece. Brown is 77 receiving yards. Mooney has just 27, believe it or not. Mooney's a good player, as you mentioned. Cole at the tight end. He's a good player. High hopes this year. He had no catches the first two games of the year. And he had two for 40 in week three. So needless to say, Lance, and I'm not going to put it all on Justin Fields, But this passing game is a mess right now for Chicago. Uh, I mean, go down the road. 51% completions, only four interceptions. They've thrown it only 45 times. We talked about the production from the wide receivers. The offensive line is a problem. They have a rookie fifth-round pick starting at left tackle. They have a second-year fifth-round pick. Braxton Jones is is the one at left tackle. And then you have Larry Borum at right tackle, a 2021 fifth-round pick. And they have a rotating player at one of their guard spots, too, where they have uh, Lucas Patrick, right? He's rotating with Kevin Jenkins, who was a second-round pick a couple years ago. And Jenkins played more snaps the first two weeks. Patrick played more snaps last week. And they've given up a a, a ton of pressure. Now, some of that's on Justin Fields' Lance. He holds it longer than any other quarterback in the league, over 3.3 seconds per dropback. So that's part of it. But 10 sacks and 45 pass attempts – you know, NFL keeps track, just to give you an idea of, of how stark that is, so fans understand why I'm kind of, you know, harping on this number. NFL ranks sacks per pass attempt, right? The Bears have allowed 22% sack rate on their sacks per pass attempt metric, worst in the NFL. The next worst team is at 14%. It's an 8% percent difference just to give people an idea how big of a difference eight percent is in that stat category the difference between the 26th ranked team and the best team is eight percent that's how bad it is in terms of the number of times field has been sacked in terms of the number of times he's dropped back to pass it's a disaster right now and Boy, if there was ever a game, Lance, where you just stack the box and try to stop the run game, and you know what? If Justin Fields beats you or he shows he can beat you in the first half, you make adjustments, otherwise you tip your cap. You know, this Bears passing attack right now is just a mess, and they have not been very – and by the way, they have the highest interception rate in the league too at 9%. And you know what the next highest team is? 5%. It's almost double. The passing attack right now for Chicago is an absolute mess.
4: Well, four interceptions in 45 pass attempts. Yeah, so, good. I mean, that clearly yeah, jumps out based on the statistics as well, which is so bizarre because, you know, once again, they've been doing a pretty good job at run blocking based on their success on the ground. But then again, the Giants, I keep using the term mirror image, John, right? The Giants have been pretty good in run blocking, and then they've been the complete opposite in pass protection, specifically the interior of the line. So, both of these teams, you could send them in for studies in NFL history. And, you probably have enough material to spend an additional five years putting under the microscope. It's been that type of a crazy atmosphere. I just think if you're the Bears, I wonder how much, once again, you're looking at how quickly Cooper Rush got rid of the football. And are you saying to yourself, let's just try to see if we get some of these receivers out in open space? Just get rid of the ball and test the Giants in tackling. That's well, what I would be thinking if I'm Luke Getzey. I'm not saying that that's what they're going to implement, but it's a copycat league, right, John? Well, so, I
3: agree, Lance, but is Fields capable of making well, those kind of, of quick decisions? That's the question, right?
4: Or is he hesitant and he wants to wait for the big explosive play? He's impatient, right, right? and he just wants to hold on to the ball and then roll out with his legs and see whether or not he could beat people. It's hard sometimes for guys— to adjust like that. But I think if Fields and the offense overall comes to grips with that could be an effective way to counter the Giants, then Wink may not have the ability – to all of a sudden have his guys pin their ears back and then get after the quarterback. Because, you know, here's the thing. I well, understand- and by the way,
3: Lance, if you don't stop the run on first and second down, you can't do that either. Sure. So it goes both 100%. ways. 100%. Yeah.
4: But I think that regardless of what happens early in the game, I'm sure Wink is saying to himself, hey, let's test Justin Fields. I mean, I'm not just going to sit back oh, of course. and see what he's going to do. That's not who Wink is. But here's the thing, John. We've seen three games thus far. The sack numbers have not been very good. They have yeah. three sacks on the season. They didn't have any against Dallas. And there were some questions about the Cowboys' offensive line and Cooper Rush's inexperience, and that didn't, once again, reap its reward. So you can tell me all you want. It's a very attractive matchup. You read the numbers. I'm not going to dispute that. But how many times have we previewed games this season and in previous seasons where we lay out all the attractiveness sure. and it doesn't turn out that way? No,
3: Lance, you're 100% right. Look, all the cards are set up properly, but you still got to play the hand, Right. Yeah. So that's what has to happen here on Sunday. Uh, but I'll say this. If you get through this game and you're still not getting any pressure on the quarterback, that's when the pink flag becomes a red flag, right? Sure. That's when you go from DEFCON 4 to DEFCON 2 or yeah. whatever it is. Because if, you know, given how the Bears are playing, again, maybe the Bears end up running for like 250. They only pass it 12 times and you never have a chance to get there. That, then we can have a different conversation. But assuming it's, it's it's a typical NFL type of game, this should be a game where the Giants, with Ojalary and Thibodeau back uh, for a second week, they'll be playing more snaps. They'll be more comfortable. You better get pass rush this week, uh, or I don't know when it's going to come, to be quite honest with you.
4: Well, especially since you're going up against, then, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson's coming down the line, Trevor Lawrence. So the level of quarterback is going to improve. Also, the level of team play is going to improve based on the records of those teams and the personnel they have up front. So, yeah, it's more of a reason why you need to capitalize against what on paper appears to be a weaker opponent But once again, the Giants' results have not been encouraging no matter who they've gone up against. That's why I don't think it's a lock to say this is the breakout game. No, I'm not saying you were insinuating Mm -hmm. that. I'm just saying to me it's not a lock that this is the game where the Giants get five sacks and they're just going to dominate in the trenches when we have yet to see it. Because here's the thing, John. What we've been talking about for the first three weeks of the season, Tennessee had issues on the offensive line. They had a rookie right tackle, right? Okay, They had some changes on the interior. Then you look at Carolina. Carolina has a completely revamped offensive line. You got Icky tackle at left tackle, correct. Then you have new faces, the center. They didn't even start Bradley Bozeman because he dealt with an injury in Mm -hmm. training camp. And then, of course, the Dallas Cowboys with Tyron Smith being out and then having a rookie at left tackle, putting in Jason Peters for the first time at left guard. The bottom line is they left movable parts. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
3: All that and stuff. I'm with
4: so you. I don't want to hear that, well, this Bears situation is 10 times more appetizing than the first three. No, I would say the first three were pretty appetizing as yes, well. But
3: I would say the quarterback and the way he plays and the way he has played the first three weeks will probably give you more opportunities too. Because what we talked about last night, Cooper Rush gets rid of the ball really quickly. Yep. Fields has not done that so far this year. Sure. But then again, Fields has the threat of running. Cooper
4: Rush doesn't. Sure. So, you know, there's that little bit of a trade off where, okay, one thing looks great, but then you still need to account if Fields is elusive and gets out and run, then what happens? Where are you positioning wise? And here's the other thing. And I'm glad you went there, John. You look at the quarterbacks they've gone up against. Granted, Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield have some mobility, but those are guys that are not necessarily always looking to run. Fields is the type of guy where you know he doesn't mind taking off. He's a big part of the Bears' rushing attack. Yep. So it's a little bit different, I would argue, compared to the other mobile quarterbacks Very that fair. they've gone against so far.
3: No, 100% agree. Very quickly, before we get to the calls here, Lance, I want to say one thing about the Bears' defense real fast because we have three people on hold. They have, like, one really good veteran at each level, right? They have Robert Quinn at right end, who hasn't done a whole lot so far this year. That'll be a good matchup against Andrew Thomas. Robert Quinn has had success against the Giants in years past. Roquan Smith, who's looking for that contract as their— he's not even their Mike, I don't think, anymore. I'm pretty sure he's their will. Yeah, he is uh, their will. He, he did not play great the first two weeks. He had a very good game in, in week number three. He had that big interception that basically won the game. He had a couple tackles for loss in that game. And then you have Eddie Jackson in the secondary at safety, who after almost two full seasons of not getting an interception, he had been one of the best ball-hawking safeties in the league. He's had two interceptions this year, and he's trying to hold it together around the secondary that, you know, we talk about the Giants' secondary being young. Well, they look like grizzled veterans compared to what the Bears are throwing out there. <laughs> rookies at safety, rookies at corner. I mean, they have a lot of guys that, and quite frankly, they've had some issues at corner covering people this year, too. So uh, they have some players, the Bears, on defense, and they've been pretty solid this year. I think they're just about league average in terms of yards allowed and things like that. But there should be some opportunities to make some plays against a, a, a young Bear secondary as well if they can protect long enough to make those plays.
4: Yeah, interestingly, they're ninth against the pass, but you could also say, well, teams are running against them. Correct. So that's why the yardage is not very high. Very similar to the Giants, who are right behind them at 10th. But then again, the Giants have had some issues in stopping the run, at least against Carolina and Dallas. Yeah, and, 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 Tennessee it, was much better.
3: And Iberflus runs a lot of that two-safety deep stuff. He's going to dare you to run the ball against them. Because he doesn't want to give up the big plays down the field, which I think explains a lot of that.
4: Well, and I think part of that is also to protect, as you laid out, a yeah. relatively young secondary. Now, sure. the one guy that has hurt them, absence-wise, is Jalen Johnson. Yep. Because he's their veteran corner, and he actually was a really nice pick, their second rounder in 2020, because he's emerged to be their lockdown guy. He's he did well. not play yeah, against Houston because of the quad injury. To my knowledge, he has not practiced thus far this week, so I would say the chances of him getting out there are probably slim, which means they're going to have even more youth that they're going to have to rely on. But here's the thing. John, I would argue the ability of the corners to tackle and assist in stopping the run – may be more imperative this week for both teams yeah, 100%. than the ability to cover. Because if you're not going to air it out, either team, and the weather is bad, then whether or not these corners can contribute to come up, creep up at the line of scrimmage, help out in open space, and tackling, meaning their ability to embrace the physicality of the game, I think will probably be more of a deciding factor than their cover skills, and that's something that should not be overlooked. And I would hold that standard to the Giants secondary just as, as much as I would with respect to Chicago.
3: Yeah, and by the way, doesn't look well. Brian Dable basically said that Cordell Floss not playing this week. He's got a calf. Yep. So it's going to be Fabian Moreau more likely than not that'll get those snaps out outside cornerback. Veteran, he's been around. Giants played him a lot when he was with Washington. Right. So, uh, Giant fans should be pretty. Uh, and he was just added
4: him. to the active roster permanently. Correct. From the practice squad,
3: yeah, he's a guy that 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 I was talking to Jerome Henderson about him today. Just you know, veteran presence, been in a bunch of different defenses. I think they have a comfort level with him that he's at least gonna you know do what he's supposed to do to, you know, get teams, get the players in the right spot, and he's always playing the right cup.
1: Hey guys, Lavar Arrington here to tell you the National Sales Event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available i force max hybrid powertrain you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma places all right
3: 201-939-4513 let's uh do our last piece of business here the giants official connected tv streaming app giants tv brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans giants tv is free on apple tv roku and amazon fire tv and of course the giants mobile app let's go to tim and charleston he'll lead us off today hey tim i'm on the
2: Hey guys, uh, John, Lance. Conversation. It's Tim and it's Tim and Charles. Now, in fairness, it sounded Good like Tim was. You.
3: It sounded like Tim was warning somebody, "Don't talk to me because I'm on the phone."
2: Well, yeah, I was telling them the story I'm about to tell you. So, the weather you're going to have on Sunday, we're in the middle of right now. We got 35 mile an hour sustained. 45-mile-an-hour gusts. Are you safe down there, Tim? four inches of rain. Everybody safe? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're okay. I mean, if you're not in a flood zone, you're good down here. Uh, It's a lot of wind. It's a lot of rain. It's a bad storm, but no biggie. But I'm walking. I found a place in the parking lot where there wasn't three inches of water on the ground, and I'm walking into my local Irish pub on James Island, and I got my Corvette ball cap on from the C8 launch in October of 2019. It's like one of a kind, you know? And the wind blows it off my head, and I turn around, ready to go chase it in the rain. And the son of a gun went flying up in the air like Dorothy's cows. <laughs> and it went up in the air and went all the way over the roof and all the way to Oz. I swear, I think I saw a flying cow. Not but, in Charleston um... anymore. Yeah, bye-bye, Corvette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Good. good line, Lance. So the one thing That's I have life. to talk about, that, and this is a pleasure to get to talk for twice in a week because I got the day off. Our dealership is closed. Um, So if you haven't figured out, I work for a Chevy dealership, not to do a plug. But um, the one thing is this, that I'll say is, we have no interceptions through three games. It's extremely disappointing. Only three takeaways,
3: by the way, for fans that don't know all of them are fumble recoveries.
2: Right. And, And at least one on special teams. Um, Two, two on special teams. Yeah, two was on
3: the muff. The one was in the muff punt against Tennessee. Kyle Phillips, and then on the opening kickoff against Carolina, they had
4: the Hubbard.
2: Yep. Right. Okay. I forgot about the second one. Yep. So you know, I'm just like, weather's going to be lousy. Obviously, balls. If it's blowing, it's not going to be blowing like it is here. Otherwise, there would not be a pass over the line of scrimmage in the game because you couldn't throw a ball twenty feet in this in this weather but um but if we got to get we've got to get i mean we've got to be net positive on takeaways and i want to see at least one interception come on we got to get with it this guy is not throwing the ball much but he's picked at, he picked picked off a lot as you alluded to earlier we've got to get a takeaway we got to win this game and if the bears score more than 16 or 17 points max i will be extremely disappointed and that being the case, and, you know, as long as we get to 2023 20, or whatever, we'll be okay. But uh hope Saquon has a big day, and I hope they throw the ball to him more. What's up with the? They seem to be not throwing it to him much. And the other thing, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of – they haven't, like, put him in at a wide-out position much. I know he's split out a couple of times, like, toward the slot. But I'd like to see them – I mean, the weather might not be conducive to it this week, but – I'd like to see them put him out there and make him a downfield weapon. We got all the wide receivers hurt. He could be a weapon in the open field spreading the defense and stretching it out. And I want to get your comments on that, and I'll take it off the air while I try to keep my cigar lit, guys. <laughs> all right,
3: Tim, good luck down there. <laughs> yes, Stay good safe. Luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> good to call out of Tim. Um, yeah, you know, I thought about that this week too, Lance. I was thinking about um, – you know what the Giants are doing here in terms of Saquon Barkley usage, and I, I thought of a couple different things. One, you know, are you worried about pass protection? So you need to keep the running back in on some of those plays to protect. But then, could you maybe consider now that Sterling Shepard's out too? Could you put Breida back there and have him pass protect and use Saquon more as a slot guy? They tried to throw to him in the slot last week. They got that defensive holding call. He also dropped the pass that on that same play yep. that that could have went for a big game. So, yeah, I could see them using him a little bit more as a receiver, to be honest with you. I think Tim makes a good point. Just to figure out different ways to get him to ball in space a little bit because right now, Lance, I mean, he really looks like the only guy in this offense that's capable of turning that type of short pass into a big play.
4: Well, he's responsible for the bulk of their explosive plays, and they yeah. don't have a lot to begin with. In fairness, Barkley is, as I bring up the numbers, he's been the third most targeted player on the team. Now, I understand that's not saying much because they, once again, have not had unbelievable offensive numbers. How but many targets
3: lines the three games? He's had
4: 15 targets, through three games. Yeah,
3: that's pretty good. That's, pretty so, good. I mean, that's five a game. No, that's a lot. you right about yeah. that. I didn't realize it was that high, to be honest with
4: you. Shepard's at one at 24, and then Richie James is at 17. So, Barkley is right there with Richie James in terms of targets. And then there's a significant drop-off because David Sills is at 8. So, once again, I don't disagree with the need to get him the ball because he is your best playmaker. But that's why the numbers, I think, tell an awful lot. I think if you look closely at the numbers, you realize in comparison to the total team stats, he's actually right up there. So, based on the volume of at-bats, as I like to call it, they've had, Parkley's gotten his fair share. To me, I would argue... A, they need to have more opportunities, more lengthy possessions, and then you get that together, then maybe you increase the usage of Saquon Barkley. But I think you brought up a great point, John. I think a lot of it has to do with you need the additional running back for pass protection because of the inability to be efficient on the interior. And why are you going to then expose Barkley out there when he could be that last line of defense, especially against a team like Dallas? Now, do they look at, The Bears front the same way as the Cowboys? I wouldn't. I don't think Chicago has the same amount of weapons and depth, but you may want to test the waters early, and then you could very well have to make adjustments accordingly if they do struggle against Robert Quinn and company.
3: Yeah, right now he's on. I just did the math here, Lance. He's on pace for 73 and a half catches this year. That's pretty good.
4: 100%, especially based on what? 91 was his high, right? 91-92 91-92 yep. as a rookie? He had
3: 91 as a rookie. That's okay, correct. So since go. then, his high was 52, and that was in 13 games in 2019. Well, if
4: he stays fully healthy, goes from 52 to 73. I think if we were talking, if memory serves me correct, before the season, 75 was an area that we were at least maybe throwing out I think that was our a over-under. Target. Yeah,
3: I think that was – maybe even – it might have even been 70 was the over-under for him reception. So, yeah, he's on pace, but I think the point Tim was trying to make is, you, you know – do you use him more, almost like as a wide receiver? You know what I mean, rather than as a running back that'll catch some passes. So I do wonder now, you know, and can his body handle all that? Too, I think that's another question, right? If you overuse him, are you going to risk injury? And then you're really, you know, up, you know, what's creek right there if that happens. So I think you have to be careful. You have to make sure he stays healthy. But yeah, look, if you want to try to use him more as a receiver, as a slot guy, now that Shepard's not here, I think it's something you can have a conversation.
4: Here's about. the other thing, though, John, that you got me thinking about. Yeah predictability it's great to say you want to get saquon the ball but i've brought this up in the past you're going up against the giants offense right now knowing that shepard's out for the season Wandell robinson is hurt Kadarius tony's hurt who outside of saquon barkley as a defensive coordinator okay you're alan williams you're the bears defensive coordinator you're going into this game What are your primary concerns? I would argue, correct, and I would say Daniel Jones running. Yes, No, no, but Saquon, 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 then slightly after that would be you don't want (laughs) Daniel to wreck the game with his legs. Yeah, I think that's
3: fair. I agree with that.
4: Am I fearing the wide receiver? Am I going to double Richie James? Am I worried about Daniel Bellinger and Kenny Gowdy? No disrespect to these players, but that's the reality. So the bottom line is eventually somebody else is going to have to make a play for the Giants to make that game-changing element. It can't just be we feed the ball to Saquon consistently and
3: hope for the best. And I don't think have we, and maybe correct me if you think I have this wrong, but I don't think I've seen a team really do that consistent eight or nine men-in-the-box routine on early downs yet. I don't think we've seen that yet, right? No, I have not seen that consistently. I would agree with you. So at what point do we do see that, where teams just say, you know what? We try, and, you know, maybe the Packers, who have a couple really good cornerbacks, right? They yep. say, we're going to trust our guys to play one-on-one against your receivers because we're not afraid of them, and we're just not going to let Saquon Brockley run the ball. But you know how it goes, Lance. The running game is a numbers game in the NFL. If you're running into heavy boxes, I don't care who your running back is. He's not going to have a lot of success. Yep. So, I— I worry when a team decides to do that. It doesn't really fit with Eberflus's scheme, with his you know preference to play a lot his own with two safeties deep. So maybe not this week, but coming up here at some point, a defensive coordinator is going to say, "Look, if they beat me with somebody that's not Saquon, I'll tip my cap and I'll accept the loss." I'm wholeheartedly with you, and that's why, even
4: though it's not Eberflus's thing because of the injury to Shepard and if Tony and Robinson doesn't play, normally I would say I don't think he's got the corners to put on an island, but maybe he says to himself, I'll take my chances with Richie James, David Sills, and Kenny Galladay, and I'll put the extra guy in the box because I'd rather one of those three wide receivers get explosive plays and
3: beat us as opposed to Saquon running wild yeah. on me. No, I'm with you. All right, let's go to John in Cape Cod. He wants to talk about those wide receivers. John, what's going on?
5: Hi, John. Hi, Lance. Listen, guys. I love the show. It's great to have the no drama analysis. A uh, couple quick comments, and then a question. I'll take off sure. the air. Uh, I think I think everybody, including all the fans, knows the obvious game plan to run the ball and run the ball. But you know, I like the Giants' coaching staff. I think they're a little bit smarter than the Bears. So, John, I think you're right about some of the wrinkles. Uh, I know he's a rookie, but it would be interesting to put Bellinger back there for blocking. I know he's slow, but the guy catches the ball, and third and two, third and three might end up winning these games. be nice to get Barkley out in space, screens, RPOs. I think Jones has a definite advantage, and even with the rain, You know, the stadium seems well-protected. And uh, with receivers, as you know, they have an advantage in the rain because they know where they're going on that first move. That's true. Uh, Last thing, you guys are in the loop. Have you heard anything about um, status of receivers? Have the Giants moved anybody up to replace Shepard? Which is a real tragedy. No, Great guy.
3: Not yet. They haven't done it. I, I imagine that move will be made over the weekend.
5: Any discussions? Do you know with John Ross? Because when I saw that guy play, he balled for the Giants, and he's he did take the top off of defense. When? Well, he had that one so good game I, against I New Orleans game, last year. I only year. saw a couple games last year, but. He Hitting must have caught the right speed, one. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, the issue,
4: John, for him has been the fact that he can't yeah. stay healthy. I mean, that was the narrative even before he came to the Giants. And once again, the New Orleans game, he made a big play, and he got into the end zone. Yeah. But I outside mean, of that, he, I think they were far
3: and few. He had 11 catches in okay. 10 games. Yes.
4: Well, and what? <laughs> and 10 of them came against the Saints. So yeah, I They might
3: have. I'll have to check the numbers yeah. on that. But no, I'm exaggerating. Right. But yeah, that I'm, was I'm sure, the main game.
5: I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're right. But a guy with the speed can also stretch a defense and open it up underneath for your possession guys like Sills and like James. Um, I I also think if Williams can't go, Jihad Ward could come up big in this game. All right, guys, I'll take it off the air. Thank you again. Keep in mind, Ward
4: was added to the injury report, so his status is also very much up in the air. He
3: did practice limited yesterday, though, which is a good sign.
4: But once again, he's now dealing with a knee issue. So that's something to at least keep close tabs on, what he goes through today and then what he's listed as. Ward, to me, is extremely valuable. I would agree with that sentiment. He probably is a big reason why they were very effective against the run in the Tennessee game. He was all over the place in sealing the edge and, you know, against Carolina as well. So, yeah, he's critical. But remember, Leonard Williams is a guy they move around. And when you're stopping the run game, It's not just one guy that you're expecting is going to be the savior to run from right to left or left to right. It's more about, and this is what Wink was delving into yesterday when he spoke to the media, because somebody asked, he goes, well, why did you guys struggle against the run? He goes, I can't just give you one simple answer, right? It's not one guy on every play was out of position. It was a variety of factors. Yes, I think Leonard Williams' absence contributed, but I don't think one guy in particular is going to cover that up. It's going to take, once again, the corners, shipping in. You're going to have to see a guy like Nick Williams who replaced Leonard Williams last week. You know, those are going to be the types of players in line, in communication, that are going to have to add up over the course of a game if they want to slow down Herbert and company. Yeah,
3: and you're asking them to do different things, right? You're not sure. going to ask those guys to do exactly what you asked to do Leonard Williams because he's, frankly, just a much more gifted athlete and player. So. Just things to keep in mind, no question about it. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phones and say what's up to Lonnie Atlanta. Lonnie, what's going on?
6: Hey, John, Alas, How you guys doing?
3: What's up, Lonnie? I remember back in the day, Lonnie Smith was a big uh, outfielder for the Braves down in Atlanta, Lonnie.
6: Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And I've always been a fan of the Braves, but I'm originally from North Carolina, which is why I'm a Giants fan. I've been a Giants fan since Lars Taylor got drafted in 81 to the Giants. I wasn't even watching much pro football until then, and so I've been a Giants fan ever since. Very good. Uh, I, I'll actually be uh, coming to New York for my first game ever uh, in New York to see the Giants this weekend. Bring your poncho. <laughs> oh,
4: absolutely. I have am ready.
6: Yep. Uh, <laughs> Yes, indeed. I got uh, uh, two questions for you guys. The first one is football-related. The second one is not really football-related, but maybe you guys can help me out. Sure. The first question is, uh, with with the Giants' um, uh, secondary and and, and, uh, and and defensive line not really getting any pressures and, and quarterback sacks and uh, the secondary not getting any interceptions, do you think that the Bears would try to open things up a little bit more for field? No.
3: I, I, I understand where you're coming from, Lonnie, and I'm sure – they will take and look. They're actually a pretty heavy play action team. Uh, I think they have the sixth highest play action rate in terms of percentage of their pass plays that are play action uh, in the league. So, and their first down rush rate actually is a little bit lower than their overall rush rate, which is a weird thing to also see in terms of rankings. So they do use play action on first down to try to make some of those chunk plays down the field, and that's why some of Justin Fields is, you know average time to throw numbers are so high because they design those longer developing play action passes with deeper drops to try to make those big plays down the field on early downs. So I think they'll keep doing that. They haven't been successful very much so far this year, but I think they'll keep, they'll keep attempting to do that. But I think they will still very much be a run first outfit based on what we've seen from them over the course of the first three games.
4: Yeah, I think if anything, they make the adjustment, once again, as I mentioned earlier, utilizing Mooney, short passes, try to get him out in open space and rely on yardage after the catch. I don't think there's going to be a game, especially if the weather's bad, where Fields is going to throw you know, three or four times more than we've seen in any given game. I don't think the environment calls for it. The other thing real quickly about interceptions, keep in mind that we talked about this in the off season. Wink's defense and what he asks his corners to do, it doesn't present sometimes a lot of opportunities for interceptions. You go back and look at the Baltimore totals. I mean, he had seasons where they had 12-13. You do the math over the course of a year, I mean, that's not even one a game and even in that territory. So I think part of the style of the defense they play does not necessarily present a lot of opportunities for their corners to make interceptions when you put these guys out on an island.
6: Good stuff. I appreciate your insight on that. And This is the last thing. I'll take this off the air, of course. Any tips for me getting up from Times Square to the Meadowlands on game day?
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, well, no, wait, no, wait, no, don't go yet. Wait, wait. Uh, are you do you have a car okay. with you? Are you renting a car or are you trying to use public transportation?
6: Uh, probably public transportation. And I guess as part of the question. I try public transportation, so I try to rent a car.
3: Uh, well, you're in Times Square. I'm not sure I'll rent that, you know. <laughs> Parking's not cheap. <laughs> Let me leave it at that. Well, you can uh, take the train to the game. Yes. Which is an option. Yeah, Lance took the words right out of my mouth. Okay. I think that's the move. Uh, you go to Penn Station. You can pick up a New Jersey Transit train. That'll take you to Secaucus Junction. And then from Secaucus Junction, you got to get on the train. That'll take you to the game. Uh, it's going to be crowded. There'll be a lot of people there probably. You might have to wait a little bit on your way home as the, as the trains get pretty full. But but it uh, takes you straight to the stadium. Yes, and so. I, I don't think driving from Times Square is 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 what you should be trying to do.
6: Okay, good stuff. Appreciate you guys.
3: Nah, no problem. I was hoping it would be a more off the wall non football question. I don't know. I, I was looking for something really bad. Yeah, there. I thought maybe he was insinuating <laughs> that too. But hey,
4: you know we're here to. Solve some transportation issues, if anybody has them, too.
3: Traffic and weather on the numbers, right?
4: There you go. We may throw it. Listen, (laughs) we covered the rain forecast. We might as well cover how to get in one piece to MetLife Stadium on Sunday.
3: Do we have any updates on the midterm elections, Lance? (laughs) I don't know. Well,
4: maybe as we get closer to November, (laughs) we'll throw... Some things up on the wall and see if they stick. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they will. Two
3: zero one nine three nine four five one We can provide a
4: marathon update too, right? Because that'll uh, be coming up as well. That's true. And- I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule, whether or not the Giants are home on the day of the New York City Marathon. But that's something else to just keep on everybody's radar. If that's not a tease, I don't know what. Well, it, we
3: should really find a sponsor to sponsor a Paul Datino speed walk of the New York Marathon. Do you think you would finish ahead of some of the people actually running? He walks so quickly. It's possible.
4: But, you know, once again, we have not tested Tino's durability for a lengthy period of time. I mean, his power walks, it's not like he walks for a half hour and then some. Oh no! No, he, no. he, I don't he goes so.
3: five or six miles at a time well, on his power walks. Now look, right. obviously that that's not the twenty six point. No, exactly. for a marathon. So, well, well, well. That's why I want to put him to the test. I want to see if he makes it. Okay.
4: Yeah. Well, it would be uncharted territory, is my yeah. point. Because I ever, just wouldn't make assumptions. Has he ever been
3: to New York City?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately. He went the he went the, the word the is US unfortunately because yes. he hates and despises New York City. He, he does. does not crossing he doesn't like crossing the river.
3: Well, that's honestly kind of what I want to do. I, I want to like put one of those like Go on him that like is on a harness and it faces back at him, and he could do like a running commentary of everything he sees in all five boroughs. I'm sure we'd have to edit a lot of it out, but I think <laughs> I think it would be very <laughs> entertaining.
6: Well,
4: here's the
3: thing. Maybe he would be
4: accommodating, he'd only have to go to Staten Island to start the race, well, that's right? True. Because that's where it starts and that's on the Verizon. All
3: you gotta do is jump on the Gothels, go to yeah. Staten Island. So,
4: you know, he doesn't have to enter the mean streets of Brooklyn, New York, or Manhattan, or Queens, or Bronx. So maybe, you know, that's a meeting of the minds midway that he'd be okay stepping into Staten
3: Island. Yeah, we could, we could promise him like a big ball of pasta at the end, you know, because you want to recharge after the race with the pasta with the carbs. I think, I, sure. I, well, I mean, if that doesn't sell him. He could build all the analogies he wants
4: with pasta and sauce. That's true. He'd be giddy. All right.
3: I really feel like I need to talk to Dan Lynch upstairs and and try to get this sponsor for the next couple of years.
4: So what would you do? You dress him up in Giants apparel oh, on the yeah, entire of course.
3: walk? I, w- I would almost want to put him in full uniform, put him in pads and a <laughs> helmet. That would be
4: something. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't he wear, like, the pants for yes. a segment a few years back? Yeah, when the, Giants, image, right? when the Giants right?
3: wore their white pants for the first time, they <laughs> he put, put all, them all on, the white yeah. pants on the TV show. <laughs> oh, man, that was great. Uh, I think he also put the helmet on at some point on I think he too. did,
4: I'm sure. I would not be surprised. Uh-huh. Yeah,
3: I would be all for that. Him in full uniform uniform with the (laughs) helmet
4: and the pads on because that would really be a test of durability whether or not he'd be able to last we
3: we we have to get some training in with george martin who who did the walk across the country right yes
4: so who better to prepare him both mentally and physically no actually george martin could be on a scooter next to him as he goes (laughs) through and like give
3: him a pep talk actually you know that that could actually be part of our production we could station a different well a camera too but we could station maybe like different giant players or coaches at different points of the marathon to like give him motivation and yes, to, like, motivational and, like, speeches Yes. To like try and try to get him to keep going. He has to yeah. conduct an interview every five miles. <laughs> <laughs> he has <laughs> to do a walk and talk every five miles. Yeah. We're having then, way too much fun. And then we
4: could have the right? mascots for the other teams in the NFC. Try East. to tackle him. Yes. Try to tackle him or, you <laughs> know, bring him down and see if whether or not, you know, that distracts him. Yeah. Could be like an obstacle course en route to the finish line. If that's not musty television, I don't know what oh, is.
3: Then we could have like to do play by play of the marathon as he goes. Also, he could have like a little mic and a recorder on him with like a wireless mic. We could broadcast that live. Like, I'm sure he'd fun. have some great conversations with oh, himself. Oh I don't gosh, doubt that. Yeah, was, yeah. A oh boy. Yeah. Anyway.
7: Well, back to sponsorships reality. Sponsorships are writing themselves. I know they really, they they really should be. We got to get somebody involved in. That. Let's go to
3: Austin in Florida. Austin, hope you're safe down there, man, and everybody's okay with the storm.
2: Yes,
8: sir. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It actually, it was supposed to come right for us in St. Pete, but then it, it curved last minute like it seems to normally do now and, and, and down in uh, Fort Myers. So um, definitely pray for those people down there yeah, and sure. all across the state. Yeah. Um, so I just I have a question and then, um, um, you know, kind of a what if, I want to go over with you guys. So I want to know the status of their uh, three offensive linemen, Lemieux, Nick Gates, and Matt Pert. I don't know if there's anything new on the three of them, if you guys have anything. No,
3: uh, they're all still currently on injured reserve. Shane Lemieux, in fact, all the players will be eligible to come back in after week four, so after this week. But it, there's no indication on how close the guys are. Uh, Austin because right now being on IR they're not allowed to even be out on the practice field working with the trainers or anything like that so we really haven't had any view or or sight on these guys in terms of how they're doing Um, so no I I don't have much of an answer for you there, unfortunately Just for clarification, remember, Gates and Paired are on PUP. Oh, they're on PUP. That's right. No,
4: Lemieux's on IR, but Gates and Paired are on PUP because they didn't even practice during the course of training camp. But John's still right. It's still the four-week time window because PUP and IR are equivalent. So they're all on the same wavelength. But once again, until we see them actually doing some physical activity, I think it's pure speculation about whether or not it's imminent in terms of their return.
8: Understandable. Um, So... I wanted to throw out a hypothetical. Um, I I mean, Lamu was out all last season, so, you know, who who knows the durability there. Um, Nick Gates almost had a career-ending injury. Uh, Matt Pert seems like, you know, the most durable out of them because ACL injuries nowadays aren't like they used to be 20 years ago. Um, How would you guys feel maybe if it's even brought up or maybe it hasn't been brought up or maybe it should be brought up um, and once Pert gets healthy, if he comes back in a good amount of time, putting him in at right tackle and moving Evan Neal to left guard and solidifying one side of the line instead of trying to build it all back in one peak, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah,
3: and I was, where, where I thought you were going there, Austin, is whether or not you can move paired inside. And yeah, I was going to say I, say, I don't, I don't yeah. see paired as much of a guard. He's more of an athlete. I think your idea is more realistic because Evan Neal played guard at Alabama. He's a big, powerful guy. I think he could do it. But, look, you're trying to develop him long-term as, your, as a bookend tackle to Evan Thomas. And I think that's where he's going to wind up. That's where he's going to be long-term. And I realize you're trying to fix things short-term. My, more con- my bigger concern here is still developing cornerstones of your franchise over the next eight to ten years. And that's where Evan Neal is going to play at right tackle. So, I get what you're saying. I would not mess around with that. I would let Neal develop at right tackle. Take your lumps. Deal with it for this year, and hopefully he takes the same path Andrew Thomas does, and he continues to improve. Plus, here's the other
4: thing, and I'm completely with you, John. Also, you move Evan Neal. Now he's getting used to playing next to new offensive linemen when he's building also chemistry with Galen. And Lance, by the
3: way, just, just to interrupt you real quick, Neal said to me when I talked to him for the pregame show in week one that the best thing about this year is that he's actually been able to play and focus on just one position, and it's exactly. allowed him to get better so much quicker. So, So now you want to change that? Sure. Well, and also simultaneously also transitioning to the National Football League on
4: top of that, which is why it's beneficial to just be focusing on one position. I think you've got to look at this long term. You can't worry about mixing and matching guys just to get through this season. And here's the other thing. Just because you move a guy into a different spot doesn't also mean that immediately you're going to reap the rewards. Because, as I mentioned, Evan Neal then... He's going to have to get used to new personnel, and then if you change centers, even though Nick Gates has had some work with Daniel Jones, it's brief, he's now going to be playing next to different guards that he wasn't playing next to previously, because Gates never had a rep next to Glowinski, and he certainly never had a rep next to Neal, and even if you throw Lemieux in there, new people around him, it's it would take a few weeks for everybody to get back on the same page, and that's going to even put you further behind the eight ball. Yeah.
8: Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thanks yeah. for explaining that. So uh, that's you, right, Austin. Awesome. Good thought, though. Long term in the rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Appreciate, it, guys. Thank you so much. Take care. No, you too, Austin. Thanks a lot for the call.
3: I always enjoy the outside the box thinking, though. But I just, to me, developing Neil into your long term right tackle takes precedence in that situation. That's just me.
4: Let's go to because a, yeah, he's going to be an answer there. Yeah. He's in your plans. You drafted him. Even some of the other guys, John. Real quickly. Pairt, I mean, let's see what happens with respect to him coming back from the torn ACL, which he suffered, remember, late last season, right around when Sterling Shepard got hurt, is when Pairt got hurt. He was not drafted by this regime. We don't know what his plans are long-term. Shane Lemieux is another guy that's dealt with injuries. And Nick Gates, I'm not saying it's not good to have those guys return and add depth and give you options, but why mess with players that you know are in your long-term plans. Evan Neal was drafted by the new regime. It's one thing to move other guys around that maybe are not here beyond this season or after. It's another thing to start toying with a guy who you know was brought in to be your future right tackle.
3: 100% agree. Lyle in Maryland. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello, Lyle.
9: Hey, what's going on, man? My name's Miles.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, Miles. What's going on?
9: Not much, man. First-time caller. Uh... 23, been a giant I out 10. Guys, Very good. listen, this game coming up is going to be a dink and dunk and hand the ball off to the back. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. The, the rain, do you guys think it's going to come down like a monsoon or is it going to be a little bit here and there?
3: I think they're lucky that the game's not being played on Saturday because that would be a lot worse. Uh, yeah. So I think you're catching a little bit of a break there. I don't think it's going to be – Look at this way. I don't think the conditions will preclude the teams from passing the football if they want to.
9: Gotcha, gotcha. So if it's not going to affect the passing game a lot. I'm still going to say we should watch a lot for slant, one cut moves. Just because, like we know, the turf is going to be wet. We should watch a lot for one cut moves, a lot of crossing routes, and also, man, you guys see what happened to Tua last night? I'm scared for Daniel, man. Dude, well, the last game there was one time where. He didn't even know that there was a passer running right behind him. And he got rid of it at the last second.
4: No, I mean, up. that was yeah, a freakish ahead. move. You know, he was hit yeah. very hard onto the turf, too. Uh, and, you know, you never like to see that for anybody. But, I mean, the bottom line is every quarterback, every player's in risk of that happening on any given play. You go down awkwardly, you could hit hard on the turf. I don't think that's any reason to feel more concerned about Daniel Jones compared to any other player. Well, They're all pretty much in the same boat. No,
3: they oh, are, uh, but but, but he, I'm, he's I'm, been I'm, but he's been hit more than other players. That's the thing though.
4: No, 100%, but you know, once again, also, you know, Tua had been coming off a game where he was a little bit banged up. Yeah, Daniel's been hit, but Daniel hasn't appeared on the injury report. True. Where he's coming into a game where he's nursing something that maybe makes you a little bit more concerned.
3: And Jones also is is a lot. I mean, even though he's had a lot of injuries, just in terms of his size, Tua's is a a smaller dude too. So I you yeah. know I, th- I think he's probably yeah. a little bit more susceptible.
4: And, and Tua wasn't even hurt on a running play, though. That's the no, thing. Of course, it yeah. was. Bottom line in the pocket, rolling back, and he was slammed to the ground. So, once again, that's why I'm saying you could run or you could exactly. stay in the pocket. You're still at risk.
9: Exactly, but my point is how many of those hits have we seen Daniel take? I mean, props to the guy, man. I mean, he is built like a tank. I mean, the unbelievable pressures that he, he deals with week in and week out is is crazy. I mean, the, the way he throws the ball sometimes and, and how he operates under the pressure, it's amazing. If we could get this guy aligned... We're going to be a great team. And also another thing that I'm going to want take it off the air, the chipping, the tight end chipping. We should run a two-back set, have a tight end on the right or left side, and chip. Oh, my God. No, Miles, Daniel they Benninger did. did
3: not chip at all. No, no, Miles, last week they chipped and they used the running backs a lot to
9: help. They did it a lot. I know, I know, but sometimes most, like, most of the chips were just completely missed. Like the tight end was more worried about running his pass route Chipping the guy, like even touching him. I saw a couple of times where the rusher just went right by him. Well, Miles. He literally slapped you... on the shoulder and was like, hey, what's going on, man? I'm gonna go at <laughs> Daniel. And he was like, all right, whatever.
3: Yeah, Miles, remember though, you do have to be careful. If you're the chipper in those situations, the end can see you there, so they'll run like an inside pass rush move. And then you got to be careful. If you're chipping in that situation, if you clip your own offensive tackle's leg, you yep. hit his foot. You even help the momentum of the defensive player to get further inside. It can get a little tricky then sometimes with those chips if that pass rusher doesn't do an outside pass pass rush move into your area because then it gets crowded, you can get legs tangled. It it, it, it can become a little bit tricky depending on how that defensive player rushes if you have a chip called on, on that side of the field.
9: Honestly, I feel like the Giants should run a lot more two-back set where one of the backs is either blocking and the other back is running a, a flat to the outside or a quick out, you know what I'm saying, just like a dink and does so Daniel knows where that guy's going to be. And if the other back is always in there, just, you know, like a bodyguard, making sure that he's protecting, like Breda, We could have Breda and Barkley in the two-back set, or even Brightwell. Brightwell's bigger than Brita. We could have Brightwell in the back, and Barkley, Brightwell could, you know, block, and Barkley can swing out to the outside if there's nothing open, uh, you know, down the field.
3: Appreciate the call, Miles. Thanks a lot, man.
4: Yeah, well, with the injuries to the wide receiving core and Shepard out and Robinson and Tony, it's possible maybe they look to utilize a few more running backs. But whether it's a running back or a tight end, it's still, to John's point, a game of reaction. You still need to be careful that you're not then putting your own teammate in a precarious spot where you're aiding the defense. Whether it's Breida back there or it's Bellinger back there or anybody else, the same rules of thumb are still in place. So you know that's the fine line that you have to walk. And some of these guys are so powerful, and we've seen it. If you've watched other games around the league, I've seen defensive linemen. John, they'll push the offensive lineman into the running back. Oh yeah, or into the tight end, and then I mean it's basically all of a sudden a comedy of errors. That are taking place.
3: No, front there's and there's a lot of times, Lance, where the chip from the back of the tight end actually messes the offensive tackle up. Yep, yeah. and it just they're not used to the guy being there. He changes his technique a little bit. And look, that that's not me saying you should never chip or do any of that stuff. I'm just saying it isn't a foolproof plan that works every sure. time. Is my point. Yeah, and that's important to highlight. 201-939-4513. nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to James in Georgia. James, you're up next. How are you? Hello. 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 hello.
10: Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, we got you, James.
10: Uh, full house in there. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. Doing what are you doing right? Guys? I've been trying to call in all week. Uh, so after last week's game, I looked at the Joneses numbers, and if you extrapolate or project the numbers to, like, a 17-game season, and my question was, would these numbers be good enough for a re-sign? And then after last week's game, uh, you know, wasn't his best, and I'm trying. Was kind of waiting on. I was hoping that this game, Dallas game, was going to be like Jones's uh, above-average game, so that we have. You know, he had a decent game week one, not so good week two, and then not so good week three. I was hoping for an even better game week three, so we have numbers to go off. Yeah, of, but right? James,
3: here's the thing, and this is why it's tricky. And then you can finish your point. Yep. <sighs> James's numbers, uh, James's Jones's numbers are not going to be necessarily indicative every week of how well he played. I think Daniel Jones played one of True. his best games as a Giant on Monday night. If you look at his numbers from the game, that looks laughable. Like John, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. The guy didn't he barely completed 50 percent; just was over 50 percent of his passes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we've talked about the protection. We talked about the the wide receivers being unable to create explosive plays or, or get a ton of separation. And it's just really hard to evaluate Daniel Jones by the numbers this year because we talk about here all the time, James, a quarterback oftentimes is a product of what's going on around him. And unfortunately, once again, despite their best efforts in the offseason the last two years, what's going on around Daniel Jones, you know, just look at Tua. Look at Tua's numbers last year, and then look at Tua's numbers for the first two games this year after they improved their offensive line, and they brought in Tyree Hill, and they brought in a new coach. like Things can change really fast for a quarterback if the situation around them is better that's more of a reason why you can't always put so much
4: stock and substance into the numbers. I mean, even if Daniel Jones finishes, and I don't think he's going to get there because of what it would take to duplicate his numbers from the previous season. But even if he had an unbelievable year and he had 35 touchdown passes and let's say 12 interceptions, James, does that mean that he's going to do that again the following season? That would be one good statistical season that you'd feel encouraged about, but that's no guarantee that it's going to happen moving forward. I think the Giants, they're looking at what John was tapping into, the third and six against Carolina. The decision to react, find the opening run for the first down. The decision to orchestrate the go-ahead drive against Tennessee. Those are the types of things that they're evaluating Daniel Jones. Do they have confidence that with the game on the line, he can make good decisions, protect the ball, and help the team get into position to score? So it's not just a numbers game of touchdown to interception ratio. It's situational football. That's as big a part of the analysis and the evaluation as it is with you and I just having a conversation about whether or not Daniel Jones is going to help me win a fantasy game. It's not so simple like
3: that. And frankly, avoiding the bad play, too, James. I yeah. mean, that that's also a big part of that. And despite the fact he was treated like a pinata in that game on Monday night, he didn't fumble the football. So I thought that was a really True. good sign, and, too. And
10: and that all was part of the numbers that, you know, his rushing yards, all that stuff comes into account. Sure,
1: uh, sure. Yeah.
10: And, you know, and I, I looked at everything, you know, and I went and I did Barkley's numbers just uh, to have them or whatnot. But... Another thing on Jones, um, I know he was under rest a whole lot, and there wasn't a ton of separation. But going back, watching the game for the third time like I did, a lot of times he's getting out of the pocket instead of climbing the pocket. And I know it's like, well, you got some guys are uh, nipping at his feet. Some guys are on their way down to the ground because the blocker is doing enough, and he's escaping in my opinion might might not even be hundred percent to but in my opinion for last a couple plays sometimes Daniel is getting outside the pocket rather than stepping up into the pocket well James I and would say in the second run,
3: in the second half of that game the first two drives he had those three runs where he did step up and run through the middle of that pocket a few times
10: right 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 but now, if he, there's a, there's a couple times like that, and there's a couple times where he, you know, escapes to his left and his right, and then there's more pressure, and then he, you know, he made something happen with his leg. Sometimes he didn't. Yeah, but James, but unfortunately,
3: were... a lot of time the pressure was coming up the middle. And if the pressure is coming up the middle there's because no the pocket. Giants <laughs> failed to, to handle those twists and stunts inside. It's hard to step up in the pocket when that's where the pressure's coming from. You know what I mean?
10: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, not, not every play, but there, there was a good handful of plays on Monday where a step up instead of a step left or right I got you. might have, might not have, but might have bought him that time or the second or two he needed to, you know, throw a guy open.
3: No, but, James, that's fair. he
10: still I, played a good game in. Uh, you know, I, I I know it was a loss and losses count, but when you have a receiver slip on the game tie-and-drive, like... Sure. That's, yeah, I, I, I don't put my stock in. That wasn't a bad game, you know. No, nah, it, 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 yeah, it was a loss. It was a loss in a close game.
3: It was a loss in a close yeah. game to yeah. a division rival. Yep. It, wasn't, it wasn't a bad loss. It was just a loss in a right. close game right. to exactly. a division rival. It's fine. Thank that's you, James. Right. Yeah, Good stuff. And I'll say this to Lance, and... Uh, we saw this happen with Eli in some of those years where the offensive line fell apart in front of him. And, you know, you talk about, you know, escaping the pocket to the outside instead of the inside and maybe leaving prematurely on a couple plays. When you're getting pressured and hit on every play, you're going to be a little bit more skittish. You could be the most mentally disciplined quarterback on the face of the planet That stuff takes a toll on you, not just physically but mentally, and your internal clock is going to get revved up. It's just the way it goes. That happens to every quarterback when they face constant pressure. Yeah, you got to start thinking. I mean,
4: that's really what's going to happen. You're going to start anticipating pressures there when maybe in some circumstances it's not because of how overwhelming it's been throughout the whole game. He's human at the end of the day. And Eli Manning, I would say, getting those happy feet is the way that I would describe it. When Eli would get pressured a lot, and then even when the pocket was clean, he'd once again have those happy feet because he was sort of sensing, okay, this can't be true. I can't have a clean pocket. The pressure's coming. I think Daniel is sort of navigating very similar circumstances. But just big-picture perspective, and the last caller... I'm not saying everybody's thinking that way, but you really you can't put Daniel Jones in a fantasy lens this season and think that the only way to determine whether or not you want to hold on to him for at least another year is simply based on how his numbers and his statistics look. It's really more about situational football. That's what I yeah. think they're looking at and whether or not he makes progress in those departments. Because I would say this, and I said this all offseason, I don't think, John... There is any spectacular statistical line that Daniel Jones could have, even if every game moving forward goes ideal, that would make me sold on him 100% moving forward for the next 10 years because I don't know whether or not Daniel would be able to duplicate that considering that would be the only time that I've seen those numbers come to fruition. So why would you want to still bank on one good season? When you're giving a contract to somebody – At least my mindset is I want to know I've seen it for multiple years, not just that the individual had this flash and I'm rolling the dice thinking I'm going to get more of those flashes bottled up over the course of a year. So that's why I've never looked at this season as Daniel Jones, statistically, he has to wow everybody. And A, that means you know exactly what you're going to get from him moving forward and that the Giants are going to feel secure as a result of that.
3: Yeah, and by the way, just FYI, we're not implying that You know, Jones has been spectacular this year. I know they have to definitely re-sign him or anything like that. We're not saying that either. We're just saying that there is context to what his overall numbers are based on what's going on around him. That's the only point we're trying to
4: make. 100%. And I think Brian Dable gave hints of that, John, when he's even been asked about Daniel Jones he made statements about the quarterback has the ball on every single play and you're looking for whether or not they could you know, drive the team down the field and put the team in position for a go-ahead score and how they handle red zone. And He was dropping all of those hints. So all we're doing is we're enhancing what we think the coaching staff is looking at and I don't think it's necessarily just boiled down to a numbers game. That's where I'm coming
3: from. No, 100%. I'm with you. All right, everybody. Thanks for being with us. And... Just a reminder, make sure you check out the Giants Huddle podcast this week. It's already up there now. I did a one-on-one with Darrell Moose Johnston, uh, analyst from Fox. He's doing the game on Sunday, Giants and Bears. He also was on the call for Giants and Panthers a couple weeks ago, so he's very familiar with the team. Uh, So we had a really good conversation, about 20 minutes, I think, maybe 25 even with with Moose. So go check that in the Giants Huddle podcast. And then later on today, it might be up by the time this gets posted. Probably not, but depending on when you're listening to this, we'll see. Uh, our usual Friday podcast. I do a one-on-one with Richie James, who really opened up. I thought he gave us some really interesting stuff about you know him as a receiver, his background, things like that. And we, of course, we talk about the Bears game. We get ready for the game. Lance and Paul talked to Jeff Joniak, the radio voice of the Bears, and then Pop Bapa did his uh, sit-down with Brian Dable this morning as well. So that'll go up there at some point this afternoon. Make sure you check that out again a separate podcast feed on the Giants Huddle Podcast or on the Giants mobile app or Giants.com slash podcast. Sorry, we went a little late today, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you on Sunday at 1130 on WFAN AM 660. Hopefully it's going to be our last conflict with the Yankees issue. Then we'll be on both frequencies moving forward. But check us out on the AM dial. Again, 1130 AM 660 on Sunday as we get ready for the Giants and Bears. And if you go into the game... Come out in the rain. Say hi to us at MetLife Central. We'll be out there starting at 1130 for our pregame show. Then, of course, we have our postgame coverage after Bob and Carl do their play-by-play with Howard Cross on the sideline. For Lance, I'm Schmelk We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.
0: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them.